0: We know that this year's pride is caught between the
1: push and pull of progress. Outside the gates of this house are those who want to drag our country backwards. And so
2: many
0: battles yet to be brave. But today, we're not here to be strong. We're not here to be courageous. Even though for so many of you, just coming to this event is an act of bravery.
2: Today, we are here to find joy.
0: Well, we've come a long way, baby. That's the White House celebrating Gay Pride Month this year, 2023. That was the voice of your First Lady talking to the crowd, telling them about um, joy. This is going to bring joy. She also claimed that coming to this event is an act of bravery. Really? Really? Has anyone noticed lately how uh, how much of a risk it is to be gay or lesbian or transgender? I'd say almost zero risk right now. We are in an incredible time in our history. And today we're going to talk about how we got here. We'll talk about it with someone who knows all about it. I know a lot about it myself. And we're going to tell you a little bit of the history that we know in the last a couple of decades, about how it is that things have become so radical in this way. This is Sandy Rios, by the way. Sandy Rios, 24-7. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I want to tell you that you can email us at sandy at sandy at or you can call us because we love your opinions at 662-821-2040. That's 662 821 Four zero, 0 And we are just about uh, ready to have you go to our website. We're almost there. It's sandyrios.com. We're revamping it, and it'll be ready really soon. So sandyrios.com will be available soon. Maybe some of you don't realize I actually didn't, but we're getting near the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe vs. Wade. Isn't that amazing? And on that occasion, I'd like to take just a moment to recognize that 64 million babies' lives were taken because we passed that law, because the Supreme Court legalized abortion in 1973. We need to pray for those women who have babies that they aborted, who still think about them. Uh, We need to pray for those moms and that they would heal. Preborn honors these precious souls who never had a chance to take their first breath. We wonder who they would have become We've lost an entire generation, but the unfortunate reality is that as the abortion pill accounts now for over 50% of abortions, the battle still rages, maybe in some ways worse. But every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies' lives offering love, support, and compassion to hurting mothers. Would you, would you right now consider donating, not our normal amount, but because of the 64 million babies whose lives have been taken, in honor of that, would you consider donating $64 to honor those lives that we've lost and to keep the unborn lives of those still at risk alive? Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 B-A-B-Y. Or go to preborn.com Sandy. That's preborn.com Sandy. Sandy, you can rest assured that the 100% of your tax-deductible donation will go towards saving babies and mothers. Help us reach our goal of 10,000 new warriors. Just go to preborn.com Sandy. All right, you're just about to meet one of uh, one of my favorite people in the whole world. Peter LaBarbera has more history on the movement, the LGBTQ movement and the history of it, more memorabilia. Uh, he has done more activism than probably anybody on the planet, really, to stop it. Uh, And he's a friend of mine, and he's going to join us next. So stay tuned for this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.
2: From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios.
0: We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational.
2: And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think
0: the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness.
2: I am Helena, I'm 23 years old. When I was about 15, I started using Tumblr. I had an eating disorder since I was pretty young. There's a lot of messages that said, if you feel bad about your body, that means you're trans. I was just going through this period of like, I don't like how I'm treated as a cis person. I don't want to be cis because cis means you're uncool and you're privileged and you're an oppressor and you're bad and I don't want to be that. In that way I was really incentivized to try to figure out a way to make my voice heard in these communities and obviously I can't change my race, I can't really change my sexuality. Um, So the only thing left was to start playing around with the gender stuff. So I decided to call myself a demi-girl, which is one of the 40 million genders. And that basically means that I'm mostly a girl, but I'm a little bit not a girl, which is just like, what does that even mean? And then after that, I went to demi-boy. And then after that, I went to gender, gender fluid. And after that, I eventually went to trans boy. But all this took like two or three years of just going through this repetitive cycle of changing this identity and changing it again. And it was just never enough. There was a lot of hopelessness for a long time, a lot of regret. The, the feeling of regret was intense.
0: Sandy Rios with you. That's the voice of Helena Kirshner. That was an interview that she did with Tucker Carlson. So that's a production by them. You know, there is a poison sweeping this nation. It's just getting down into the marrow and the bones. But it didn't just start. It didn't just start. Uh, we've been tracking this, many of us, for decades. Uh, we had come to a horrible place even in the mid-'90s. And yet, people didn't know. They did not know. They did not know the progression. They failed. They wouldn't listen uh, because they couldn't believe it. They could not believe some of the things we told them. I wanted to talk today about someone who is probably, I I would say, he's probably the best historian on the issue of uh, the LGBT community and now the transgender movement. He's a walking encyclopedia. His name is Pete LaBarbera. Pete is a writer for uh, WND right now, but he's the founder of AFTA, which is the Americans for Truth About Homosexuality. He also was, uh, he was a writer for the Los Angeles Times a number of years ago. He's a great writer. And he also was part, a very big part of the Culture and Family Institute at Concerned Women for America when I was their president. I learned a lot of what I know. From Peter LaBarbera, and I've asked him to join us this morning. Good morning, Pete. Thanks for joining me.
4: Good morning, Sandy. Hey, one small correction. I was a writer for the Washington Times, not the L.A. Times.
0: Oh, right. I got you and Bob mixed up, I think. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Well, Bob Knight was uh, also on the staff, so I think that's part of his bio Right. But, um, okay, Pete, thanks for that correction. All right, listen, I, you know, you are, um, okay, no, before I even let you talk, I'm describing a lot about you, but let me just say you're just such a family guy. You love your kids. You're funny. You're soft. You know, um, I mean, soft uh, in your, your affect. You're sweet. But you are so hard-hitting on this issue. And I, wanted, I I don't remember the answer to this. How in the world did you start covering this issue so thoroughly?
4: Well, I'm kind of a cause guy, and um, I got saved as a Christian after college. I was searching college, and I had originally um, sort of was working on writing about communism. In fact, I went down to Central America. I wrote about the Contras. Remember them? Yes. <laughs> of course, yes, I yes, all yes, come I Full circle, and now the, the communists are running Nicaragua again. But mm-hmm. uh, I was a big Reagan Republican and uh, conservative politics. And then I became a Christian after communism. Actually, I was in Central America when it started to fall, uh, Sandy, and I came back, and I was actually at CWA where uh, Beverly LaHaye, bless her soul, uh, wanted to do an article on the emerging gay movement, which was, believe it or not, uh, far less uh, huge as it is now. This is the early 1990s. It was getting big, but it's really the modern homosexual activist movement Uh, really began at Stonewall, which is 1969, you know, so it's a very young movement, but at that time it was growing fast and I started writing about it. And as a reporter, I would go to the sources, so I would venture over. And I'm, you know, I never had a problem in that area, which is, um, you know, I have, I probably have the distinction of being, uh, the straight guy who's been, uh, accused of being gay more than any straight guy in the world because that (laughs) seems to be the, 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 the smear of choice for so many sort of nasty gay activists, which actually says something about them, um, you know, that they would have that as their smear, but they, you know, um, and I, I would write about it, go to the, you know, read as much as I could about this movement and Sandy, it's just incredible. Um, what has happened since? I mean, we knew it was coming like a freight train, but I don't think anybody could have predicted that we'd be at the point where we see, you know,
1: them no, pushing
4: I, uh, so-called gender transitions on little kids.
0: Yeah, no, it's just mind-boggling, and we're going to talk. We're going to touch on a lot of the various issues, but before we do that, I, I always remember the book "After the Ball," which you guys used to point me to. A lot. I think it was written yeah. in the late '80s, and it was kind of the template. It was the, uh, it was the, br- what the 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 map the marketing the roadmap the,
4: the how to market it. And and, this has and been s- one of the biggest marketing scams the world's ever seen is is the gay movement because they basically sold it. I mean, to their to their credit, if I were a gay activist, I guess I would do the same thing. They used American freedom for licentiousness, and that's the danger of a of a free society. You know, if, if if we don't become a moral people anymore, and we leave our our Christian, our Judeo-Christian, you know, foundation, then it's it's up for grabs. America's up for grabs, and we really saw uh, sexual immorality marketed like a you know, I guess like a candy bar almost. All the myths, all the the shibboleths, and the and the, the snappy phrases like uh, you know, love is love. Obama for for homosexual so-called marriage. I mean, think about that. Love is love. What does that mean? And if love is love for gay marriage, then why not five people getting married? If love is love, if it's anything you want it to be, you know, why stop it too? You know, it's all these, these marketing sort of, and of course they have the media on their side for the last 30, 40 years, to the point now where when you read articles by the by main so-called mainstream media, Sandy, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. You, you see an article in, in like the New York Times, and it's like it was written by a gay activist group. It's that bad.
0: Well, and, it, and actually it is. I mean, you know, I think was I, several years ago, we knew, I think, the New York Times editorial board was, the percentage of gay members of that board was incredible. I can't remember the number, maybe 60, maybe 70, I don't know. But, well, that, you know, it is basically written by gay activists, much of what they do. But I you know on after the ball uh, I was just thinking Peter I I don't even know when they laid out the template and how they were going to go after women and create sympathy and all these all the tactics yeah. uh that we right. saw actually unfold very successfully. Uh did they even go as far as where we are now?
4: I you know they talked about not letting the dark side show uh in other words like the really bad stuff and now we're at the point where I think the gay activists got a little cocky, and now they're kind of just – they sort of let it all hang out, and that is what America is reacting to now. It's like uh, they they went so far that, you know, when you start talking about uh, gender drugs, you know, chemical drugs for, for girls who are still teenagers having their healthy breasts removed surgically – That's just too far for any country. And actually, though, we're we're actually trailing Europe. Europe is more conservative, as it were, on the trans stuff than America. So, I mean, I think there's a reaction now. It's come full force. Some of the things, Sandy, you must be reacting like me, where you say, wow, you know, we were exposing these gay pride parades 30 years ago. And finally, people are paying attention. (laughs) But I hope it's not too late.
0: No, I do remember, Pete, that you used to go to those parades. And take pictures and bring them back. Uh, and you talked about it. And no one, honestly, I have to say, uh, I, this started for me on radio in Chicago in the 90s. People didn't, before I ever got to CWA, people did not want to believe it. They did not want to believe what yeah. was happening in their schools. There were terrible things happening in the schools then. Uh, and they didn't want to believe yeah. it. And I remember a story way back when we were at uh, together at CWA, the story about outright Vermont, or I can't remember if I was at, I can't remember the order of things, but Outright Vermont. Remember that organization in Vermont that was having Perfect. seminars on w- girls removing their healthy breasts? We, that was way back, way, way back.
4: Yes. Yeah. I remember, so, Sandy, writing an article for World Net Daily, God, it must be 25 years ago at least, when I was at a conference and I saw young girls in their 20s who had that operation showing off their flat chests, and I said, this is just so incredibly bizarre. But I don't know if you remember M. Stanton Evans. Remember him, Stan yes, Evans? I do. He I do. He had can't... the law. This is he, he. He's passed away. He wasn't a believer. He wasn't a Christian. But he had this thing called. He was brilliant, and he had this thing called the law of insufficient paranoia. How when it comes to the left, the, the reality always is worse than your worst paranoia of what it what would happen. And we've definitely seen that because I I was pretty much a realist. I was a reporter, but I never ever could have dreamed that it would get this bad this fast. And thankfully, now we're seeing the pushback, and I hope it just keeps coming.
0: Yes, and we're, we'll talk about that, too. But I just kind of, on reflection, Peter, I remember also that the uh, the gay activists, the gay movement, did not want anything to do with the trans movement. That's another thing that's completely changed, and I think that's, that's part of what you referred to in After the Ball about not showing the worst parts.
4: Right. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, remember Barney Frank? Barney Frank of wanted course I did. to be I debated end, though, him on that te- time... Yeah. I debated yeah. him on television a number of times. Barney didn't want to affiliate with the mm-hmm. trans movement.
0: He was the... For people that don't know, he was a senator from Massachusetts who was openly gay. I think maybe the first one, C-
4: Congressman, the f- one, the the first big time gay. I mean, really, really big time gay congressman from Massachusetts. Yeah,
0: yeah. very. out And, and there was proud, a bill
4: yeah. called Enda, the Employment Non Discrimination Act, which we all fought. Which is now the light version of the Equality Act, which we're still fighting. Which is even, which is basically just adding homosexuality and transgenderism to the Civil Rights Code, which would be a nightmare. But he was that there were they were considering that bill Enda, and Barney Frank said. You know, he said it won't pass if we have the transgenders affiliated. And then later on, I think he apologized and other and human rights campaign, which is the main lobby group. I call them human wrongs campaign. But they also later on, they, they had to repent and say we didn't do enough for the trans movement. Because, Sandy, one of the main points you got to understand with this movement is when you are a movement based on redefining normal, there really is no boundaries, Right. Because right. you were founded on redefining normal. So how can the gays say no to the pansexuals, right? How can they say no? On what basis? They, they, they started by redefining normal.
0: It's absolutely true. There are no boundaries. And, and the, this is the thing that I always try to communicate. And I, again, I don't want to dwell on this, but it never stops. About the time you think you've heard the worst thing you've ever heard, you hear something worse. And this is the trajectory that we're on, things that we can't even imagine. I think at this point we talk about the mainstreaming, streaming pedophilia. We talked about that a long time ago. And now they're they're actually Mm -hmm. trying to do that in universities. It's just amazing. But um, but, but um, Sandy,
4: you said something yeah. very important. It didn't just start. The thing that that I, I get irritated by, even among some conservatives who maybe they just don't understand the history, there's sort of some are acting like, wow, this trans movement came out of nowhere. <laughs> First of all, there would be no big trans movement without big gay before it. They basically copied the big gay tactics of the of the homosexual activist movement, and they radicalized them. And that's where it all came from—the same tactics that the gay activists used in the early 70s, which was, you know, that was right after Stonewall, which is basically BLM, a BLM riot before BLM, right? It was yeah. they were, you know, throwing things at cop cars, and they tried to burn cops alive in a building, in in, a, in the Stonewall bar in this riot. Well, there was the radicalism then. You know, people complain and it's awful, this trans radicalism. But in the early 70s, that's when gay activists would they'd see a politician walking down the street and and they'd run up to him and they'd start yelling. What about the homosexuals yelling in his face? And they made people so uncomfortable that the media slowly started just capitulating every time. And the media became the ally of the gay activist movement to the point now where media is really a part of the LGBT movement.
0: Yes, and we're going to make that case a little more fully on a, a subsequent conversation that we're going to have, Bob, because it, you're at, you're spot on, Peter, and we watched that happen too. I think it's beneficial to let people understand what's actually happening here. You know, the other thing that they they were managed to do, meaning the activists managed to do, was make um, homosexual uh, uh, sex uh, the equivalent to heterosexual sex, and I think people still think that it's like it's um it's a uh, you know, it's the same thing. They have families. They have children. It's it's just they just you know things are just different. But it's uh, but Peter, without getting too graphic, that that was a life in the pit of hell. I mean, homosexual sex is violent. It uh, causes disease. It's by its very nature unnatural and causes um harm. Uh, I was just talking Absolutely. to someone yesterday. I was just talking to someone yesterday. Who was talking about. Uh, the uh, the violence that gay men do to each other um, that we never hear about because they are I don't you should speak to this because you are the expert.
4: Well, you know, without getting too graphic, Sandra, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, we have to remember the HIV/AIDS crisis it, that was a pandemic, but it was concentrated among mainly homosexual men and IV drug users and you know so it was concentrated in a, it was a result it's really Romans one living out right um and as when you practice these behaviors which are sinful and unnatural there are consequences and to this day Sandy what I tell people to do if you don't believe us just use the CDC term which is MSM men who have sex with men put any sexually transmitted disease in there say syphilis Syphilis, MSM, just Google that. And what you will find is that the, the vast majority of cases, I don't know if right now it's at 75% or if it's whatever, a monkeypox was at 95%, believe it or not, Sandy, ninety uh, about 95 or more percent of monkeypox cases were among men, gay and bisexual men. And so you take any sexually transmitted disease, plug in MSM, Google it, and what you'll find is that a disproportionate percentage of those, um, you know, uh, of that malady is associated with MSM, men who have sex with men. Now, is this a cosmic coincidence? No, this is basically Romans 1. We're living it out. This is the consequences of, of violating God's you know righteous order, righteous moral, moral code. And yet the media and the CDC and all the elite institutions, they're sort of in the business of always protecting the LGBT movement. So what they'll do is, like you'll notice in the CDC, they're always constantly talking about stigma, And so I've gotten to the point, Sandy, where if I'm looking at like looking up, say, syphilis or gonorrhea or hepatitis, you know, When you see a lot of talk about stigma and MSM, what they're trying to do is cover and and send a signal that it's really society that's causing this, not the behaviors themselves, which is preposterous because America is now so accepting of all things gay, bi, and trans. You know, maybe there's more pushback on the trans, but you can't really make the case anymore that it's societal discrimination that's the problem here.
0: No, that's for sure. And, of course, this all started with the AIDS uh, in the '80s, the whole AIDS scare, because it was the gay man's disease, that's what they labeled it as, and then that became anathema. Uh, uh, yeah, and then they started—they uh, just completely reversed their normal uh, health codes and practices uh, in order to accommodate and hide the dangers of that. I mean, I, we don't need to get sidetracked on that. But Peter, I want to make a point because I know this is true of you. It was true of Bob Knight, who was the head of our Culture and Family Institute, also an expert on this. And it was true of me as we uh, debated these issues with gay activists and did for years and wrote about it and talked about it and tried to stop what was happening. It has come always from our deep compassion. Yes, our anger about what they're doing to our kids and our society, but our deep compassion for the damage it's doing to men in that community and to the twisting of young minds and the loss of life and the lack of natural affection and the normal things that God has laid out for them. It's not done out of pride, uh, any kind of spiritual pride or some kind of moral arrogance or superiority. There's nothing of that. Uh, we have written and done what we've done through the years out of tremendous compassion. Uh, I remember, I'll just tell you one story. Um, I was, when when I was still at CWA, I, I there was a young a filmmaker from New York City, because I'd done a lot of uh, television on this, I had come to her attention. She asked if she could come to my apartment building uh, in DC and film me, uh, to asking me about things, and so she did. And I thought, you know, she's from Greenwich. She was from Greenwich Village, um, and I figured I knew where she was coming from. But after the uh, interview was done, she asked if she could talk to me, and we sat down, and she began to just uh, we not we full on, but tear up over what she was seeing and what the community that she loved. And that was the gay community. She wanted to be, she wasn't gay, but she was sympathetic. But she said, I'm saying what I'm seeing is so much death. She said, there's so much death and there's so much violence between gay men. And she said, this is what I'm seeing. And I'm, and she was just not even knowing what to do with that, with that information. She really came to me uh, for counsel uh, and um, and just just to be able to talk to someone about it, it was amazing, Peter. And I think that through the years we've seen that there no one hardly is ever forthright like that. Did you ever have an experience like that?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely, Sandy. And you were uh, really the model for you know for and and Bob and others telling the truth in love. That's what it's all about. I mean, it's it's our Christianity which doesn't let us be prideful. I mean, I didn't struggle with that sin, but I have plenty of other sins. They don't have a movement attached to them. You know, they don't they don't march and pride parade. You don't see uh, adultery pride, or not that that's one of my struggles, but I mean, you know, uh, gossiping pride, or all the many things. That, that The issue with this movement is it's is sin movement. That's what it is. And they popularized this in. But Sandy, I get the same sense when I talk to ex-gays. For example, I have a friend named Stephen Black who's, who was in the movement, I believe, seven or maybe 11 years. He came out of the movement. He, his life is such a sad story, but you see the sad story again and again. And it's another one of those things, which is the, the, the gay movement has to cover up. Um, all the gay men, especially, but also a lot of lesbian women have a traumatic, sometimes it's sexual abuse. Sometimes it's a, it's a terrible relationship, a distant relationship with, with the father. Or, But Stephen Black had been abused as a boy. He was, I think it was uh, somebody he knew or his family knew, uh, caught him, uh, cornered him in a garage, and he was sexually abused. He was then raped as a teenager, Um, He, God got a hold of him. God saved him out of the movement. He's been out of the movement for decades. He has a wonderful family and a beautiful wife. And yet he is somebody who is like the activists on the other side basically deny his existence because they say you can't – gay is just who you are. They they use that phrase – they they don't really say born gay as much as they used to Sandy because that's kind of fallen a little bit out of favor. They they used born gay to advance. They knew that if people thought pe- that homosexuals were born that way, just like with transgenders today, they say if, they knew if people thought they were born that way, they'd have more sympathy for them because they'd say, oh well, then that's just you were you were just this is your circumstance you were born into it. But the reality is, so many gay men like Don Lemon was sexually abused, the CNN anchor, former CNN anchor. Um, so many people. Harry Hay. I'm, I mean, I'm, well, not Harry Hay. I'm thinking of Harvey Milk, famous, the most famous, celebrated homosexual politician icon in the world, was sexually groped and molested when he was a 14-year-old boy. When his mother naively sent him to the Met in New York City alone on the train as a boy, he was raped in the in the theater. And he came, grew up to you know to be this big gay activist, famous gay activist, but he was molested, and you see all these sad stories, and we have to have empathy, and we have to just pray that God can get a hold and and but it's it 's so hard because the, there 's so much propaganda, and people are constantly being told that this is who you are, and I think it's it 's an evil propaganda that works on a lot of people
0: oh, it absolutely does I, I want to add one one very brief story there was another there's another person whose name i'm not going to share cuz this is a private story that she told me but she is a lesbian um see i don't want to say too much about her she might be known to people um but in a private conversation she told me that she was seduced by a hollywood actress beautiful woman and um she was a, probably i don't know she was not a child she was a a teenager by then uh, but it was uh, because of the you know, the the acumen in her own life. Uh, I think that happens to a lot of lesbians and a lot of lesbian coaches. A lot of these girls maybe don't find uh, companionship with boys or they're confused. And uh, there's a lot of grooming that goes on. But now, you know what, Peter, it the, seems like sanity, it's diff- There's
4: actually a term for that. There's a term for that. They, there's a term called baby dyke, believe it or not, of a, of a young lesbian. I think they were recruited. And remember that, that play, The Vagina Monologues? That um, awful play? Yeah. There, I didn't see story it but yes. a, Yeah, I didn't see it either, but it had a story of a 30 something, I think, adult woman who seduced a, a girl in her. T- I think she's at 14 in the book, then they changed it to 16. I think that's the ages, but she plied her with alcohol and seduced her into lesbianism. That was in the story, the vagina monologues.
0: You know, that, this reminds me, my mind's going everywhere. So we may, may not get to all the things I wanted to talk about, but I think this is important background. I, one of the battles that we have fought in the past, and it's foundational for what's happening today, Hillary Clinton was a lesbian gay activist. I'm not saying she was a lesbian. I would say that. Uh, a lot of people think she is. Uh, but she was an activist. And I remember the uh, World uh, Conference on Women in Beijing, This is in the '90s. I remember that uh, under her leadership, because she was in charge of that, they developed this tent for lesbian to teach lesbian lovemaking. This was back in the mid '90s or late '90s, Peter. And and then she went on to advocate, as you know, the world uh, what is it? The World Treaty on the Rights of Children, something to that effect. I actually started a book on that a number of years ago. And she was advocating Hillary Clinton. To be clear, was advocating that children as young as twelve had the right to be sexually active. This, uh, I I put that in the category of would be grooming. Oh, we well, come a long way since then, baby. But this is how deep and how sick <laughs> it, how sick it all uh, has become. And I, now I'd, people- forgot,
4: I'd forgotten that one, but yeah, the orig- one of the original. In fact, the original. I think it was the plans for the original Washington March. This is way back, I think, in the eighties. Had as one of its original goals, which I think they took off because they knew this is bad PR. Um, they took off and it was lowering the age of consent it was one of the demands put forward by this open, this gay march pr- uh, planning committee. And Sandy, people must know also that NAMBLA, which is the famous, notorious pederasty group, North American Man Boy Love Association, did march in uh, a, a few of the early gay pride parades until they were kicked out because the gay a lot of gay activists said, hey, this is not good politics. Let's get rid of these guys. But, I mean, there has always been this pedophilia, this current of toleration. And I think it goes back to what I was saying before. If you're a movement based on sexual liberation and, you just rede- and you're redefining normal and you're saying that sodomy is okay, it's just lovemaking, well, then how do you end up drawing the line? And now we're actually seeing this is one of the scariest things I've ever seen, Sandy, the trans movement, which is – Thousands of schools now say that you can hide a, ch- a child in school is trans- so-called transitioning. The, the school authorities say, hey, you're transitioning. And they, they do not tell the parents that the child is transitioning. This is part of their school policy, the official school policy, which is a complete denial of the parent parental rights to guide their own children.
0: Uh, I want to say... This is a. I wanted us to re- reminisce today and to lay the groundwork for what we've seen happen through the years. It's impossible to cover all of it, but one thing that I must get into this conversation before we say goodbye for this particular part of our discussion. And that is, uh, Pete, I was in Chicago, and I believe this again was the late 90s, is when I was on the air in Chicago. It came to me because uh, that the National Education Association, which used to actually represent teachers and children, I think, some, some year, way back in the pre, prehistoric days, uh, they cr- created this VCR tape, which I still have, called It's Elementary. And they distributed it to all of their teachers. Uh, and in that, uh, in that VCR, I still remember scenes. I remember them t- mm-hmm. having like a group of teachers where they're telling the teachers uh, basically not to tell the parents. They're teaching the teachers how to bring this in in every subject. Every everything that mm-hmm. they do, how to how to fold it into the classroom. And this was shocking then. It was shocking then. Some mm-hmm. of the teachers were still uncomfortable. Say a word about what the NEA's role in all of this has been.
4: Yeah, say it's so funny that you bring that up because I was thinking about it the other day. That was when we really saw the blueprint across this country and we tried to warn people. And it just never caught on in the conservative movement as much as, I mean, it was just, I guess, the homosexual movement when you had the media on their side. But absolutely, Sandy, the NEA and other groups, AFT now, they were part of this movement. They were pushing it, and they kept pushing and pushing behind the scenes. There was teacher training. You know, I have the original copy of that movie, Sandy, which I still have in my archives. I've got this huge LGBT archive um and i have the original where they actually you could show them guiding sort of like manipulating one of the young students on what to say like you, you know and you could see them now they got rid of that in the final version but this is what they they the movement would do they would incrementally move forward then they would push they'd get a little pushback and they'd say they re, they'd retrench and then they'd push again remember when they said oh civil unions we don't want marriage civil unions is all we want and a lot of conservatives and a lot of republicans fell for it. And of course, a lot of Democrats, um, you know, I, it, it was, it, Sandy, we've come so far, do you know, in the 1990s, it was radical for a Democrat to embrace civil unions?
0: Well, yes, I, I lived there. I was there. I remember. Yeah. This was a huge battle now, we had. The
4: entire Democratic Party voted against that new bill that was just a few, a couple months ago, to just not allow males, biological males, trans, athletes to participate in women's sports. Every single, we didn't get one democratic vote for that common sense bill not to let bigger, stronger, faster males participate in women's sports. That's how far the democratic party has come and now the republican party is is just a little ways behind the Democrats.
0: Yeah, that's true. And and uh, I, I want to another word about NEA before we move to the political scene, and then then we're going to quit this part of our conversation. the uh, The National Education Association it turns out after I I want to say twenty years, and I can't think of his name. Had a president who was there during this period of time. A guy who, after he left, came out of the closet and announced that he was gay. But during that time. I saw, I watched, because I used to do education issues a ton. Uh, I saw that the the guide, the the objectives for the National Education Association each year became more and more proportionately uh, uh, associated with uh, promoting homosexuality. It was stunning. I mean, like you'd have 12, these are our 12 goals for this year, and uh, and eight of them would be to advance some portion of this. That's how bad it became, and that's how it became mainstreamed in our classrooms, and that's why our children... And their parents now, actually, were already on the road of being patterned uh, and um, changing their thinking about this. Uh, We also saw how, uh, because we were at, I'll say CWA era, this was during the Bush years, we saw the homosexual uh, advocates infiltrate the Oval Office, uh, Senate offices. Do you remember that, Peter? They did it very, very cleverly. And, yes. and yeah, one yes. by
4: one. Yes. Go ahead. All over. Please. Yeah, it, we saw it. it's like every single institution. We saw how the Boy Scouts they went in and yes. they and they started battering the Boy Scouts, and then incredibly, after the Boy Scouts won in the Supreme Court, remember five to four, yes. the Boy Scouts still ended up selling out. Which to me was one of the that's one of the saddest things about this whole struggle is how good people have not wanted to just defend a. a, a defend the good. They they give up because they get worn down. And that's one of the lessons of this movement. And right now, I think the pushback is, this is gratifying to me. And it must be to you as well, Sandy, because you were one of the early people who had the guts to fight this movement. You you could have just said, no, well, you know, I'm not really going to touch it. But you, you, you fought it because you saw what was right and wrong. And you're like me. You don't like to see immorality being pushed in the name of civil rights. And so you know, but t- one institution after another, after another gave up and now and then they took over corporate America as well. And, and it's just been now I think people have said enough is enough. And the question I have is, can there be can we take back ground on this movement?
0: Well, of course, that's uh, that's I do think the worm is turning. And I think you would agree there. It's amazing. I think that uh, I'm, I'm speculating, Peter, because I remember how hated you were because you'd been doing this a lot longer than I had. I was hated. I got to be hated later. But you had been hated for a long time. <laughs> uh, but I, do you feel like you don't get now? You Actually, people are more willing to listen. The conservatives, I mean, are more listen, willing to listen to what you have to say than they were even then.
4: Yeah, because I think people now see... That it was as bad. I mean, we were right. I'm not taking any pride here. It's, it, it was, it's, it was just defending what's right and what's wrong, and but but it's, you know, now it's come true. And I think actually, even though there's a big gay conservative movement which is trying to say, hey, we we want the L G B, in other words, lesbian, gay, bisexual, but not the T. Even though that movement has a lot of power, I really think. People are seeing that they're smart enough to know, hey, this didn't just come out of nowhere. These pride parades have been around a long time. And, Sandy, I can prove it. I can prove to you through my research that there was the nudity, there was the the sadomasochists in the pride parades going way back. So it's really intellectually dishonest to say that the transgender movement just popped out of nowhere. You know, um, there's a history, and the history is only logical when you redefine normal, when you say that God's boundaries aren't there. um, You know, bad things happen. And by the way, Sandy, it's not just homosexuality, of course. It's as it's politically incorrect to say you should save sex for marriage, young couple, right, young straight couple. It's best if you just date and then get married and then start, you know, then you're you're, you're together as a family. It's as politically incorrect to say that, you know, to say save sex for marriage as it is to say that homosexuality is wrong.
0: Yes, that's how, how low we've sunk. I think you're absolutely right, Peter, and one distinction we've always tried to make is it sexual sins or sexual sins? I'm speaking now as Christians. I know this will be anathema to many of you who are uh, not not in that camp, don't understand the holiness of God. But a sexual, and I, but this is for Christians that there we can all color outside of the line sexually, and God frowns on all of it. We are to be sexually pure, and the standards are the standards for heterosexuals as well as for people who think that they are. Uh, that that they're somehow labeled homosexual. We think that they've just been turned uh, by some horrible events in their lives, and it is wicked. Uh, So we don't think that that's the natural state of any man. Uh, But with that, uh, Peter, I think we should say goodbye for this moment. And just I want to tell people, Peter and I are going to continue this discussion. We're going to get more specific about what happened at the White House House recently about what's happening in corporate America and all the things that you read in the the nightly news. We're going to try to talk about as many of those uh, with a good update on that as we possibly can. But this is Peter LaBarbera. Again, he is a writer for WND. You can see his articles there. Pete, just give us the name of a recent article.
4: Well, I did one on Fox News, which we're going to be talking about in our next show, uh, how Fox News is just sort of almost imploding. They're starting to celebrate gay pride now on air. Big, big development.
0: Yeah. Okay. So stay tuned for that. And Peter, thanks a lot for joining me. You just uh, you are you are an unsung hero. You are an unsung hero, and uh, I you know I appreciate our friendship, and I'm really proud of what you've done through the years. All right, Peter, thank you so much. Oh, you're been... too,
4: Sandy. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. This has been Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24 seven. Well, I hope you enjoyed that kind of walk through history. It wasn't complete. There's so much more to say, but I hope that gives you an idea of how it is we got here. Uh, if you have a comment or a question and I'm sure that when I start talking about this you I'm confident this is the one issue that uh, besides the election fraud of 2020 and 2016 this is the one issue for decades has um, been the one that strikes a chord uh, because people either agree or some of them vehemently disagree and they want to uh, they want to uh, you know take you to task or or worse and you know what that's okay That's okay. Let's talk about it. If you have a comment or question, you can call 662-821-2040, 662-821-2040, or you can go to sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. You know, history was made on June 24th of 2022 when a 50-year-old law was overturned in a landmark ruling, and that was Roe versus Wade. Preborn lives matter today, and we need to make sure that they matter tomorrow. As we celebrate the one-year anniversary of the fall of Roe versus Wade, let's continue to do our part. Let's reflect, recommit, and reinvigorate our resolve to unite and do more. Sixty-three million people, little people, unborn people, were taken as a result of the passage of that law. And we're asking if you can, in in honor of those babies, uh, make a donation of sixty-four dollars to Preborn. Can you do that? Are you able to do that? If you can, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right. Well, stay tuned because in a second, my sweetheart is going to join me. We're going to talk about the things that we learned from Peter LaBarbera in the first segment. So don't go away, Sandy Rios, 24-7.
1: This is Sandy Rios, 24-7 on American Family Radio. Last December, we felt such pride here in the South Lawn when I signed the historic Respect for Marriage Act. It protects the marriage of same-sex and interracial couples. But for all the progress we made, we know, we know real change and real challenges still remain. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, something is still very wrong in America. That's why the Congress must pass and send me the Equality Act to qualify protections for the LGBT community. I recognize for a lot of folks across this country, maybe it's not you, your kid, your family member, going through whatever a transgender child and family is going through. But I think we all agree, if it were you, you'd want the space to figure it out with your family and your doctor not being told by anybody. I want to send a message to the entire community, especially to transgender children. You are loved. You are heard. You are understood. And you belong. That's your
0: president, President Joe Biden. I, you know what? It, it is every, not a day goes by. I go to a restaurant almost every day. I confess to you that I see a gay person kicked out of the restaurant for being gay. Happens all the time when I go, right? You too. Oh, wait, you haven't seen that? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that either. But Joe Biden, he sees that all the time. So that's one of the points he made. The Equality Act will be the worst thing in the world for churches, Christian organizations. Uh, What he's uh, touting and promoting is horrific for those of us that have another view on this situation. So I'm just saying. Uh, whatever he's saying, it's the opposite of that. The Respect for Marriage Act was a disgraceful piece of legislation that actually codified in law the Obergefell decision by the Supreme Court. It's not a good thing. It's just not. But this is where we are. And now you perhaps know a little bit more about how we got here. I've asked Bruce to join me, my, my husband Bruce, uh, for this discussion. Bruce, what what struck you about that conversation with Peter LaBarbera?
3: Well, uh, I think, again, um, it's the Calculating way that the gay movement has grown into the LGBT movement, which has grown into the LGBTQ plus and you name it movement, um, that w- when he said it's a marketing scheme. And I really believe that. Um, it's nothing is ever enough. It's always on to the next step. And they wear people down and they. Who would have thought that by standing up for a child that is saying at, say, age nine, I want to become a transgender person, I want you to cut off my my parts, I want you to change me uh, with drugs, who would have ever thought that by defending that that shouldn't be allowed, you would be called a bigot?
0: And no one, no one I don't think ever saw that happening, although we saw glimpses of it, Bruce, because... They used to twist. I mean, this, this, I was having these debates in Chicago in the 90s on the Drive Time show uh, because it was a big issue then, too. And, of course, the, the go-to thing was always to call the, the thing that they called us haters because we thought homosexuality was uh, not the best uh, and was wrong morally. And we used to say at CWA later that morality is not bigotry. Morality is not bigotry. And that was our counter Uh, And so I think it still applies. So no, but who would have thought that it would get to this point where little girls would have their breasts cut off and little boys, that they would actually do that and praise it and think it's good. And if you can criticize it, you're just what you said, a bigot. It's unbelievable.
3: I I think it's outrageous that our commander-in-chief, with all the things going on in the world that he should be concerning himself with, selects this issue transgenderism, things of that nature, to not only to defend, but to um, encourage. He's encouraging this to be allowed to happen. Um, When he talks about it should be between you and your doctor, he doesn't mean that. He means, I'm going to make this be um, allowed. We're going to force doctors to do these things. He, he, he's not talking about a neutral playing field, which even then, that's bad. Kids, I'm sorry, kids are kids. You cannot drive a, a car until a certain age. You cannot smoke. You cannot vote. You cannot drink. You cannot be in the military until a certain age. And there's a reason for that. And it's because kids are not able to make these kinds of decisions. And here's the leader of the free world forcing this down our throats.
0: It's terrible. It is really, it's a, you know, I, I have to say, I, I've got to find words that are pal- palatable. I believe that Joe Biden, in his private life, is a reprobate. We know we, those. his daughter wrote in her diary that was found accidentally, she didn't make this public, that he showered with her when she was just a girl, uh, and it was disturbing to her. Mm-hmm. She showered with her dad because he had her do I mean, what does that mean? I, I don't want to fill in the blanks, but that's sick. Uh, we also know—I've told you this before—that we found from uh, out when we were in DC. I was told by inside sources that he was—he uh, he had female Secret Service agents at the Vice President's residence who asked that he please through channels. They asked if he would stop uh, swimming in the nude. He thought it was funny and he he ignored them and continued to do that.
3: How many times have uh, we watched his reprobate behavior? Just the other day, Eva Longoria, who I'm no fan of, but she was there with the president at the White House uh, having some kind of a ceremony, and he hugged her. And, I mean, he wouldn't let her go, and she finally had to take her arms and kind of push him away. And while it was somewhat subtle, you can see, and his wife is standing, and Biden's wife is standing right there, you can see he is a reprobate.
0: and And Trump is supposed to be uh the uh, whatever I, I mean not he, look trump's history on morality is not he's not a puritan by any means but he's, let's just say his uh, his coloring outside the line is within, more within the uh the bounds of normality of what american males used to be in his generation so uh, and,
3: and i think one thing with president unchristian
0: my non-christian american males i yeah. need to add that cuz people yeah.
1: will and yeah.
3: and, and what, what we have to say is whether you like President Trump's behavior or not, that is his behavior. He is not promoting that kind of behavior to young children.
0: No, he isn't. So, I actually, he's taken the his his uh, policy stands have been good, like on abortion and other things. But there, I don't agree with him on everything. So, I didn't. But I just want to say that by comparison, if we must compare, it's just no comparison. I. This is a guy who. Biden is a guy who sniffs little girl's hair, mm-hmm. and there's video after video of him. Well, that's enough. That's enough. But this is the man who said what he did about transgenderism. It's pretty disgusting. Um, anything else, Bruce, before we, we say goodbye about well, this?
3: Well, I just think the Biden's always, <laughs> they never miss an opportunity to mischaracterize what bravery is. <laughs> People coming to a White House event where you go through security, where there's Secret Service everywhere, there's armed guards everywhere. Uh, they're standing in the Rose Garden, and and the Bidens say that is an act of courage. Yet, how many times has Joe Biden's Department of Justice gone after police officers who have exercised bravery and gone after them, saying, "Oh, you used excessive force, or you didn't need to do that." When the proof is right there that they did nothing wrong. But they mischaracterize. They all oh, Joe always talks about how his son, Bo, died in Iraq. His son did not die in Iraq. His son served in Iraq, but he died at home in the United States of cancer. He did not die in that war.
0: Yeah, yeah so it's just a, you know, I guess I have to quote Scripture in closing. Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil, who put bitter... For sweet and sweet for bitter, woe unto them. And that's where we are, upside down, uh, no truth. Uh, it's just a, an unbelievable world. Yet, we continue to speak the truth, and we will continue to speak the truth as God gives us the strength to do that. Honey, thank you for joining me. This has been Sandy Rios, twenty four seven. The next time you're going to hear my voice is going to be as part two with Peter LaBarbera. We're going to get into some other things on the history of how this happened, and I think that you'll benefit from that. So. Uh, Thanks for listening to today's version of Sandy Rios 24-7.